and you're buying it now at well at seven percent that this was the calculation at seven percent you're looking at 60 percent higher mortgage payment <laughs> right and so as a result of that now we have like half of the people uh, that could afford last year that now cannot afford anymore Welcome back to Core Conversations, a Core Logic podcast, where we tour the property market to investigate how economics, climate change, governmental policies, and technology affect everyday life. I am your host, May Claire Bolton Smith, and I'm just as curious as you are about everything that happens in our industry. Once again, it's that time of the year. 2023 is coming to a close, and so is our third season of Core Conversations. This year, we've talked with industry leaders about a wide range of topics, from AI and innovation within real estate technology to policy changes that affected the insurance market. And of course, we also keep an eye on how the U.S. economy affects the housing market. So to wrap up our season, we're going to close with an in-depth conversation about the intersection of the economy and the property market. We'll look at what happened in 2023 and what we can look forward to in 2024. So for our guest today, we have none other than CoreLogic Chief Economist Selma Hepp. So Selma, welcome back to Core Conversations. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me back here again. It's, I'm so happy to be here. Well, it's always great to chat with you, and you really are the best person for us to kind of top off the year with. Before we jump into reviewing the U.S. housing economy this year, I wanted to remind our listeners that we want to help you keep pace with the property market. To make it easy, we curate the latest insight and analysis for you on our social media where you can find us using the handle at CoreLogic on Facebook and LinkedIn or at CoreLogic Inc. on X, formerly known as Twitter and Instagram. But now let's get back to Mayclair and Selma. Okay, so I think the big story coming out of the U.S. housing market this year has been affordability. So Selma, can you just set the stage for us today and talk a little bit about how affordability has become a concern in the property market? And also, how does this compare, I guess, to the general trends in the U.S. economy? It's been a crazy year. Yes, you're right. I mean, we started off a year pretty positive in many ways because mortgage rates started coming down. But unfortunately, Mm. at this point, we have a huge uh, affordability challenge. And, you know, the the issue is that mortgage rates have gone up now almost 500 basis points, right, from 3%. And I've seen quotes over 8% at this point. Wow. Um, And at the same time, uh, home prices, when you think about where we were at the onset of the pandemic till now, you know, irrespective of what happened with mortgage rates, home prices are up some 42% over this three-year period. And so, you know, that's really a huge affordability crunch for many people. And as a result of the two, now you have a typical mortgage payment that's up some 60% just in Mm -hmm. over this past year, you know, and that means on the same home that you would have bought at 3% and you're buying it now at, well, at 7%, that this was the calculation at 7%, you're looking at 60% higher mortgage payment, right? And so as a result of that, now we have like half of the people uh, that could afford last year that now cannot afford anymore. It's crazy. And I mean, I know this firsthand because we bought a house this year and that we're, we're seeing that. And it, it's crazy because we did walk away from a very low interest rate, but needed a bigger home. So it's something that even though we moved to a different area and the home was comparable in price to that last home we had, our mortgage payment is significantly higher. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's something that it's real. 
it's real. Like I think yeah. it's something for to hear those numbers. People think, oh well, it's not really that bad. No, it is. It is really it that, is bad. that bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, to circle it back to your question about you know comparing housing market versus overall SU economy, yeah. that's where the disconnect is happening because really the challenges for folks that need to buy, you know, they're buying right now at these higher mortgage rates, um, mm. or even renting. You know, when when rent when rents are increasing. That's right. Well, you know, so so that's the the, the po- part of the population that's challenged, um, you know, for the ability wise. But on the other hand, you have, you know, so U.S. home ownership is like sixty five ish percent. You know, depends on a quarter, but let's round it up. It's two thirds of uh, U.S. households are homeowners, and mm-hmm. basically over the last couple of years, when mortgage rates uh, fell to all time lows, they were able to refi, and on average, people saved like. $2,700 a year uh, wow. by refining, right? Yeah. And so yeah. these folks now have that $2,700 extra dollars, plus they've had savings from the pandemic, plus, you know, some extra monies we were all uh, benefiting from, uh, you know, from the government um, stimulus uh, that is really has boosted the economy. And so that recession that we thought we were going to be having this year, and we talked about it at the beginning of the year, um, we didn't have. In fact, didn't third happen. quarter, yeah. yeah, third quarter, we saw GDP growth at uh, grow at double the rate that um, wow. is is the potential. So wow. you know, so that's the story of two markets. Like in many ways, there's store. You know, there is a tale of two markets in the housing market, um, or different industry where you know this is one being of housing versus the rest of the economy. Yeah, that is so fascinating. It's so interesting because I think, you know, at the beginning of the year, it looked pretty dismal and we kind of thought we knew it was going to happen and it kind of yeah. didn't unfold yeah. the way we thought it might happen. <laughs> I guess the other right. thing, too, is the consumer price index, the CPI. Like, how does that measure into things as well, too? Because I know a lot of people measure things according to the CPI and especially when we're talking about all these like, economic inflation that comes into play a lot, too. So how, how does that relate to this? Yeah, so there are two different uh, inflation measures. There's CPI and PC, or personal consumption expenditures. And so a housing component is anywhere between 20 to 40%, depending on the measure you're looking at and what all you throw in uh, into the measure, because there's other housing services other than just your mortgage payment, right? Okay. So, but what's interesting about the housing component of uh, inflation measure, it's that it's capturing changes with the delay anywhere from nine to 12 months. So all of this uh, increases in home prices and rents that we saw over the last couple of years are now really filtering through this inflation measure. So, um, you know, so it's a delayed delayed reading basically on something that happened uh, uh, a year or plus ago. Wow, yeah. so interesting. <laughs> Housing affordability is a pressing question for both homeowners and renters. However, according to Pete Carroll, executive of public policy for CoreLogic, the affordable housing crisis is a bit of a misnomer. At its core, the crisis is due to a lack of housing inventory with respect to demand. When there's a lack of supply, home prices naturally continue to rise. Listen to economist Molly Basil talk about this in episode 60, Has the Economy Locked In U.S. Housing Market Price Stagnation? It was published on May 3rd, 2020. 23.
So, uh, you know, earlier in the year, your colleague Molly Basil and I talked a lot about, I and Molly heard my woes of, of me purchasing this home and kind of what we went through with that. But when we talked about that, we talked a little bit about the housing market slowdown. So is that something that we're still seeing or has that recovered at all? Yes, so we didn't see the, the recovery. In yeah. fact, it's gotten worse. Um, wow. So, yeah, I mean, earlier in the year, like, you know, I started off mentioning how, you know, we we're pretty optimistic about the housing market earlier in the year because mortgage mm-hmm. rates started coming down. And right. we thought, okay, that was the peak. No, last November was the peak of mortgage rates. And, you know, it's all better from here. Well, it didn't play out that way at all. Uh, in fact, we kept seeing mortgage rates after that dip in March, um, you know, right before the banking crisis, it's mm-hmm. now been nothing but going up. And so that's really put a, a, a damper on housing market activity. So while you were one of the people that did manage to buy a home, a lot of people actually found themselves in a situation where there was like no inventory uh, because yeah. people are don't want to give up that low mortgage rates that they refied into. And then yeah. on the other hand, um, you know, you know, there's no inventory, but also home, uh, home prices have gone up so much and how cost of home ownership has gone up so home sales now are have dropped to the lowest levels that we've seen in some 15 years um, so really there is not that much activity uh, in the market right now it's it's unfortunately we're really sitting on a bottom at this point wow wow it's yeah I mean I I did fall into this and you know I did mention that we had we were in contract to buy a, a different home um, in the episode when I talked to Molly about this and then that fell through and, and the reason it fell through is the the people we were buying the home from couldn't find another home um, so mm-hmm. that basically is what made everything fall apart is because the inventory exactly. was so low so whereas mm-hmm. it didn't directly well it did directly affect us <laughs> um, because right. it, it is it's a main it's a really was a major issue this year um, you did just briefly mention the banking crisis I mm-hmm. I want to just clarify too we're not talking about 2008 and the big um, we're talking yes. yeah silicon valley bank yeah we're talking about this yeah. year's year 2023 banking crisis with silicon valley bank yeah but that that you know was really in, in you know when you look at it it was really short lasting and and it was not sure. that in yeah. itself that drove mortgage rates higher it yeah. was many other things that you know that also happened in the economy right yeah it was a that was a crazy time that's right when i bought my house too um <laughs> well it's been a fun year Before Selma and May Claire get back into talking about the rental market, it's that time again. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We're going to do the numbers in the housing market. Here's what you need to know. In the U.S., home sales increased by 4.5% in September of 2023, when compared to September 2022. This is the largest gain since February 2023. Next year, CoreLogic economists predict that home sales will increase year over year by 2.6% for the same period. The Northeast continued to post the strongest price appreciation, with Maine seeing a 10.1% annual increase. That is the first double-digit HPI gain recorded in any state since early 2023. Connecticut and New Jersey also saw strong growth, gaining 9.5% and 9.2% respectively. On the other side of the spectrum, Idaho, Montana, Utah, Washington, D.C., and Wyoming saw home price declines. If we look at individual cities, Miami once again posted the largest gain with 8.5% year-over-year growth. And that's The Sip. See you next time. Um, Okay, I want to talk a little bit about rents as well, because I know over the past 
18 months or so, we've been talking about how rental market has just been skyrocketed and just sky high. And there are people that are seeing 20 and 30% raises in their uh, their rental as well, which is, you know, the rental market always seemed to be a little bit more not as volatile as the, the housing market. So can you talk a little bit about what we're seeing in rental rental market as well? Yeah, yeah. So, so the same thing that happened with home prices, you know, with the roller coaster of home price growth going yeah. all, all the way up to twenty percent. Uh, very similar trend happened with rentals. So rentals sort of lagged a little bit uh, after the onset of the pandemic, and then it surged. And then by the middle of last year, uh, uh, single-family rents at least were up also some 15%. I think our index peaked at 14%. And then mm-hmm. they have, you know, fallen off and in a, in a, in a sense of a rate of growth. And so what we are seeing right now is that rent is growing growing, but it's not growing at that double digit pace. Basically, it's okay. fallen back in line with, um, with, um, you know, with the historical three to 4% uh, year over year change okay. in, in rents. Okay. But, but because of all these increases that we've had cumulatively since the beginning of the pandemic to now, uh, rents are up uh, are higher some 30%, you know, and in some wow. markets like, yeah. like Miami, Miami really sort of was a, a outlier in that sense, uh, rents are up 50%. So obviously, wow. you know, for one coming in, uh, you yeah. know, if you're, you're moving from previous one place to another, like you're looking at that much higher rent. Well, depends on if, if your rent was adjusted in a mean, you know, in, during this period. But nevertheless, yeah. I mean, it's still whatever way you look at it, it's it's a huge challenge for a lot of people, and especially, you know, people that have fixed incomes, people that yeah. um, or have, you know, lower incomes uh, yeah. that live paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, so, you know, we did this this analysis that was published recently that showed that rent to income has reached 40% and and this is the highest that we've had wow. uh in wow. long you know so so yeah it's yeah. you know it's it's hard before we finish our episode though we wanted our listeners to know about an upcoming event in January where they can meet some of our experts including May Claire in person I'm Garrett Gray and I'm standing here at the Fairmont in Austin and I can't wait to see you at Interconnect 2024 Interconnect is where the insurance restoration industry comes together to solve tomorrow's problems today. So come on down to Austin, make sure you have a seat at the table because we need your voice. There's not one group or company that can tackle these problems alone. It's all of us coming together to focus on the lives beyond the buildings. Register today and I'll see you in Austin. That's that's extreme. Like it's you don't even need, you don't need to fall into the low to mid income bracket to feel that. Like that's something. If it's yeah. something's going to increase by fifty percent, that is a huge hit on anyone. Something else that we talked about earlier in the year that I don't want to skip over as well is you know a lot of times when we're talking about it's fifty percent more or sixty percent more to buy a house now than it was before. What about people who might be locked in, but they're locked in with an adjustable rate mortgage? What is the impact they're seeing? Well, yes. Yeah, so I don't know if you bought, you, you mentioned how you're buying in this mm-hmm. year, if you bought, I bought this year as well. 
<laughs> and and I bought and I locked in my rate right before the banking crisis, the Silicon Valley banking crisis. So I actually locked in at six point three percent, and but mm-hmm. I have an adjustable rate mortgage <laughs> that's ah. that's fixed for seven years. So obviously okay. I'm going to be watching mortgage rates very very closely <laughs> over the yeah. next few years. But wow. you know, basically what and what we ended up seeing when mortgage rates started increasing last year is that we saw a pivot to more adjustable rate mortgages. Um, And so, you know, more people are using adjustable rate mortgages because, you know, you're lowering your monthly expense and then you're hoping that down the road you can refi, you know, before Mm -hmm. your your uh, fixed part expires. Um, but you know, so, you know, what's going to happen? Hopefully they're not having to refi right now or next year. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. they're re- refining down the road when, you know, you know, most experts expect mortgages to come down. So, yeah. but you know, it's, it's not the same problem as it was last time around, like last time, meaning when we were coming out of the great recession yeah. or coming, going into the great recession for that matter, because much higher share of those originations at a time were adjustable and they adjusted in a higher rate environment um well part of it and and um you know so some quarter of originations at the time for mortgages outstanding were were adjustable rate mortgages right now even okay. with this increase that we've had it's like a single digits low single digits maybe four or five percent of total debt outstanding has adjustable rate mortgage so okay. it's not a, okay. it's not the same same concern, you know, right. risk as we had wow. last time. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It's so interesting. So interesting. Um, okay. Something we've also talked about earlier this year was the lock-in effect. So that because so many people refied and there were, I can't even remember the, the Molly Basil gave us some stats and it was something like 80% of people have a mortgage, have an interest rate under 4% or something like that. It was just huge numbers. But because of that, so many people have low interest rates and they don't want to take a leap to a higher interest rate like you and I did this year. They aren't selling their property and they're staying locked in where they are. And that was really one of the biggest things that was affecting the inventory and the housing supply in this country. So can we talk about that at all? Like, is that still happening? Are there other things that are affecting the housing supply? I know in the past we've talked a little bit, too, about construction and because construction costs are so high, that's been impacting things. But overall, you know, housing supply and lock-in effect and how is that all related? Yeah, I mean, we still obviously have the lock in and every time mortgage rates go uh, higher, it, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it has a more of a chance of, you know, keeping people put basically. Uh, right. But just to to um, to define lock in effect uh, for those folks who are not familiar, basically it just refers to when homeowners uh, who hold these low mortgage rates, three, four percent, uh, are reluctant to sell in an environment of rising in, uh, rates mm-hmm. because that means that they have to give up the rate on a current property and take on a higher rate and potentially at a higher priced uh, property. Um, wow. So so that's what lock in effect means. So yes yeah, so we still have a, a huge share of population that's that's locked in um as i said with higher mortgages that's actually leading to more of a locking effect but what's helping in a sense inventory you know particularly as we move further away from that memory of three percent is that um 40 of homeowners 
on their home free and clear. So they're not tied to a uh, to, to mm. a low mortgage mm-hmm. rate. They own it mm-hmm. free and clear. And the reason they might not be selling is because there's no inventory. So it's it's almost right. like a self-feeding mechanism. Um, but 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 they are there and they are, you know, they could sell and, and we are seeing markets that are more affordable and markets from which there is more um, baby boomers, uh, where there are more baby boomers uh, and retiring to other markets, we are seeing a little bit more inventory, right? Okay. Uh, it's a huge, actually, again, tale of two markets because one market that's completely feels like locked in is California because okay. not only it's so much more expensive, but there's always been an inventory issue and, and it's now this high mortgage rates are even having a higher impact on affordability. But you have other markets like in Northeast, for example, where there are people retiring from and moving to more affordable markets in South and Southeast. And so they are letting go of that inventory, right? They're, they're, right. they're selling. Yeah. Um, so, so, so there is that dynamic. But then in terms of the new construction, we finally have seen new construction pick up um, after many years of just wow. gradually increasing. So at this point, okay. we are only at the rate of new construction a number of new units being added where we were at the b- beginning of this millennium in 2000, right? So it took all these, let's see what, 15 years uh, to come back uh, to that number wow. of new construction wow. uh, because of, well, for one, that was scarring from the Great uh, Recession or recession. the housing collapse, yeah. right? The, the, that, And then it took a while for... Uh, just basically for for you know uh, builders to reorganize themselves because a lot of smaller builders got wiped out by the crisis and then you have big builders and big builders tend to build right. in very sure markets in markets that are very population driven like population growth there's a lot of okay. and those are markets in southeast and south so when you well, the markets you'll see most new construction is Texas, it's uh, Florida, Carolinas, Tennessee, you know, markets like that. And then also you have Vegas and Phoenix, like two outliers on on the West side, right? Um, But, but, um, you know, so because these markets had new construction coming into this year with all this uh, mortgage rate turmoil, um, builders have come in and provided mortgage rate buy downs and and use that as an incentive to bring people in. So so new home market has done much, much better than existing home market. And if you had homes to sell uh, at this discounted, basically, uh, mortgage rate, you know, builders were selling. So so yeah. that's another tale to markets, new home sales versus existing home sales. So, yeah, so it's been uh, it's been interesting to observe sort of how previous trends have impacted uh, housing markets now that we came in this uh, rising rate environment. May Claire and Selma spent this episode reviewing what happened in the housing market and the U.S. economy over the course of 2023. In the next episode, the conversation will continue as they talk about what we can possibly look forward to in 2024. See you there. And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcast to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Jesse Devenins, editor and sound engineer Romeo Roman, our fax guru Erica Stanley, and social media duo Sarah Buck and Michaela Brooks. 
Tune in next time for another core conversation. You still there? Well, thanks for sticking around. Are you curious to know a little bit more about our guest today? Well, Selma Hep is CoreLogic's chief economist. Selma leads the economics team, which is responsible for analyzing, interpreting, and forecasting housing and economic trends in real estate, mortgage, and insurance. Selma frequently appears on local and national radio and television programs and has been widely quoted in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and many industry trade publications. She also regularly contributes to the CoreLogic Intelligence blog, where you can read her work at corelogic.com forward slash intelligence.